Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. You know, uh, I think I mentioned this morning, I, I was only five years of age when I was in a meeting like this. I've been in church, in fact, my whole life. But I don't know what it was in that meeting, but I was five years of age and the speaker said something and I I thought to myself, you know, I want to connect with this God that I believe in. I want to make a decision for my own life to really turn my life over to Him. And the moment I went to the front of that meeting, something shifted in me. Our oldest son, we have three children. Luke, he's three. He was three and a half when he went to a pastor's camp where they looked after kids and You know, before that appointment with God, I used to say to him as his dad, Luke, you a Christian? He'd go, nah. (laughs) So I'd try to do all kinds of things. I'd say, Luke, are you a Christian? Nah. But something happened in that kid's meeting. From that point on, God touched him. He responded to God. and Luke, you're a Christian? Yep. Something shifted, listen to this, on the inside of him. Tonight, I've been a leader of people, a pastor of people for many, many years, and I've got to be honest. I I look at a lot of people and I go, God, why don't they change? And I'm I'm really honest. I look at my own life sometimes and I go, God, I, I know a lot of stuff in my head, but why is it so hard to see that change be affected for the long term? And, and, and I like to be real with God because I've come to realize that God can handle our questions. Come on. God can handle our confusions. God can handle everything about us. And, and sometimes, you know, we've been taught some dumb things like you can't yell at God. No, you can yell at God. You can rant at God. You can be honest with who you are at God. The trouble with most of us is that we aren't really honest with what's on the inside. And yet then we expect the outside to change. And I, I am more and more aware today that we are living, come on, in an upside down world with a right side up God. And the longer you live, if you're a young person, you're going to live through decades of change in our world and you're going to become aware. And I hope you remember these words that Actually, the way of the world is upside down and God is right side up. And when you begin to understand that that's the truth of how things work, you also realize that we live in an outside in world. But God works from the inside out world. Because you see, I've dealt and ministered to too many people and some of the confusion in my own heart was that I was trying to change the outside, not realizing that God works from the inside. Even when Samuel went to anoint the king, remember King David, what was it? David's dad didn't even recognize him as a potential son. He brought the other seven sons in and he brought the strong and the warriors and the gifted and the the ones that seemed natural. and, And yet Samuel, who was anointed to find the next king said, no, it's not him and it's not him and it's not him. You've presented all your sons and God said it was one, but God's saying it's not. Is that all your sons? And dad said, oh, no, no, no. There's that, the, the little boy who's out looking after the sheep. 
And Samuel said, bring him in. And he brings him in. And as soon as he walks into the room, God says, that's him. You see, Samuel then says, God doesn't look like man looks. He doesn't look at the outside of things. He looks at the heart. And yet we've got so much pressure, so much uh, influence around us to be conformed in the external things. And it's true, we are all influenced by external things. But tonight, I want to share something that I hope is going to really liberate you. You see, the fact is, you are influenced by the things that you hear. Some of us are still carrying some of the words that maybe a parent or a, a school teacher or somebody in a place of authority said to us, like, you'll never do that well, or you, you'll never be able to achieve anything fantastic in that. And there's an echo on the inside of us that dominates us. By the way, you know what? You will always respond to your loudest voice. And unfortunately, the things that happen on the outside of us come to the inside of us, and it's those internal voices that dominate us even though at times we know they're not true, even though we understand they came from a wrong source, but there's an echo on the inner world. And listen, if we don't deal with the inner world, it's going to affect our outer world. And I look at that and I say, God, you've got to help me with that. You see, what exists at the core is so very important. I was sharing this morning how that, you know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, there are three things that remain. They are faith, hope, and love, and talked about the fact that God loves us, and that needs to be the foundation of everything we do. Don't ever, ever try to work your way into that right place with God. Just accept that He loves you. Because when you know that He loves you unconditionally, come on, you're never going to run that far from Him. You're always going to run to Him. So love is the foundation, and God wants to lead us to a life of faith where we get inspired by His Word alive in us, and we begin to unlock supernatural things. We personally begin to see supernatural breakthrough. But to link love to faith, there is this need of hope, this, this need of internal belief. And, and tonight, I really want to teach something because I, I don't think we fully understand it, that our battleground, listen to this, is our soul. The moment you're born again, if you've said yes to God, the Bible makes it really, really clear that you received Christ. It's kind of like, you know, we're going to pray for more of the Holy Spirit. You can't get more of the Holy Spirit. In fact, the Bible says the moment you say yes to God, no matter what you've done, where you've been, how bad it has been. Listen, the moment you say, Lord Jesus, come into my life, the Bible says the DNA, literal Greek worm, the sperma of God is resident on the inside of you. Like in the natural, that sperm fertilizes a healthy, ready egg and new life exists. So the enemy knows that God has come into the heart of a human being if you're born again. And so his job is to make sure that he can captivate the middle ground. So like I said this morning, there is the foundation of love and the possibility of faith, but the middle ground is hope, and that's our battlefield. Let me draw it like this. Many of you know, you're not just an external person. People go, well, that's a beautiful person externally. We are spirit surrounded by a soul living in a body. One day your body will go, but your soul and spirit will continue to exist. Now, the enemy can't collide or infuse your spirit, man, because if you're a Christian, you already are a container of God. 
Come on, I need a little bit of feedback tonight. Because if you came depressed, you shouldn't be. Because on the inside of you is the greatest, come on, force that eternity has ever known. There is nothing impossible for your future when you realize that you don't earn God, you got God. <laughs> In fact, when you, go to, when you go to Romans and you read Romans 7, this is the Apostle Paul. He said, man, you know, life is complexing. This is how he teaches. He said, you know what? I set out to do what's right, but I keep doing what's wrong. Yep. Anybody identify with that? So if I want to do what's right and I keep doing what's wrong, it's not me who does it. It's sin that's within me. And he basically points the picture of saying, you know what, there's two of me. There's the God me and there's the natural me. And it's kind of like there is this picture of the God you is on the inside of you. That can never get any better. It's already there. But then there's the natural you, which is at war with the God you. And it meets in the area of your soul. Now I'm going somewhere with this. Because when you begin to realize that that's the battlefield, you begin to realize that, hey, I'm not going to let go of that battle and let the enemy rob me because, you know what, it's my heart that becomes the thing I want to deal with, which is my mind, my will, my emotions. In fact, let me, let me give you a scripture, pretty powerful, this one. It talks about who we are in the soul. It says, Jeremiah 17 verse 9, your heart, my heart is deceitful, Above all things. Wow. Now you might know that scripture, but for me, the challenge of that is so profound that my heart is deceitful. So therefore, do you know what? Every day, my heart, my feelings, my emotions are deceiving me. They're telling me things that I believe that I ought not to believe. My heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? It's desperately wicked. Then the Bible says, but I, says God, I search the heart. I try the reins to give to every man according to his ways and the fruit of his doing. Now, if I could teach you a little bit, it's like, you know, because of the confusion and the battle of your feeling and your soul and the things that the enemy is working with, you begin to walk a certain way that should be a different way because of who you really are in your spirit. And so I've learned to, so I cannot allow the feeling part of me to stop the God part of me. And the truth is, all, us, all of us will live out who we really are on the inside. When you begin to understand that, you go, well, I, I want to change the inside. And tonight, I really want to talk about this whole thought of one of the battles that God has with all of us, and that's to get control of our heart. Because I wonder if God's really got your heart. The Bible speaks how that in the Old Testament, there was a veil and that veil was between the outer court and the inner court. The inner court was where the presence of God was. And since mankind had sinned, then God, the Father promised that he would send Jesus and he would make a way. He would come saying, I am the way and I'm the truth and I'm the life and Father God was looking from the time that Adam and Eve fell to this day where the veil would be rent. So at Easter when Jesus died, how many know? God the Father came down, He put His hands on the veil and the Bible says that the veil was rent or torn from top to bottom. 
And it was a sign that no longer could just a high priest come in once a year, but everybody could come right into the center of the presence of God. And the picture was so profound. And, you know, the Bible says that the earth shook and it was like God said, this is the purpose that the Son of Man has gone through so all of humanity can know me and experience my presence and be liberated and freed because the veil has been torn. As I was praying about it some time ago, I felt like God said, you know, everything that God does, the, the devil tries to reconstitute, reestablish, reinstate. And so that veil was rent by God. But you know, your soul now is the ground the enemy uses because God is on the inside. That will never change. And God wants to take the inside, the real you, and begin to demonstrate it in the outside. But there's a passage through the soul, your feelings and your emotions, which lie to you, are very deceitful to you. Come on. And so there are threads in your soul. I want you to hear this tonight. Some of you are carrying disappointments. You've gone through things that really shook the foundation of your world. And you know you should be bigger than that. But it's like a thread came into your soul and... You didn't know how to deal with that. Somebody has gone through failure or somebody has gone through, come on, all kinds of things that the enemy is using, condemnation and all of these threads are there and the enemy begins to weave all of these together. I want you to get this. And he creates another veil. It's called the soul veil. And that soul veil now is established between the God you and the outer you. And I felt like God began to show me that, you know, the problem is, not your spirit, because your spirit is immediately born again. Come on, you got to stay with me. Your problem is actually not your outer world. Your problem is your deceitful soul world where the enemy is reestablishing a veil to keep the God you from surfacing so that you can be completely transformed. And so when you begin to understand that, you think everything that has hurt you, everything Come on, that you've failed at. Everything that you've allowed to remain in the area of your soul becomes threads the enemy can use and tie together so that he can keep the God you from getting out to the real you and you just stay in this place of confusion. And where God the Father was the only one that could rent the veil in the temple, hear me tonight, you are the only one who can tear the soul veil. So people keep coming to God, God, change me. God, would you do something? And God says, no, 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 no. You're going to understand that my challenge is getting access to the feeling you, the inside you, the things that are on the inside of you. D.L. Moody put it like this. Give your life to God. He can do with it far more than you can. But he understood with that. It's not like just, well, God, come and do it. No, you've got to say, God, this is it. I'm not going to allow the enemy's veil to rob me. I'm going to come to a place where I recognize what we sang tonight, that Calvary covers it all, that I'm going to begin, as I said this morning, to praise to the one who has ransomed my soul. Come on, I'm not just saved in my spirit, but I'm going to take hold of my emotions, my feelings, The lies, the deceits of the devil when the devil says, you know what, you stuffed up, you'll never get up again. You know, it's been too long, the patterns 
of your habitual sin have been there so long, you'll never get over that. Hey, you will never ever begin be able to get rid of that voice on the inside and you go, no, 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 no. I'm not going to allow those disappointments. I'm not going to allow that spirit of condemnation. I'm not going to allow that darkness, that dis- all of the things that have happened to me. I'm going to actually put my hands on that and I'm going to begin to declare that God. See, God's got a challenge. You know, I grew up in Sunday school and they told me God can do anything. I don't believe that now. See, people say, just glibly, God can do anything. No, he can't. When Jesus walked the, the earth because of a lack of honor, he couldn't work miracles. You go to Psalm 78, because they did not, again, come on, believe in the God that had delivered them. God could not do anything with them. I want to tell you, you can be in church your whole life and nothing really shift. Because God has got to get your permission to access your heart. Because if you don't give God your heart, the enemy has control of the veil that locks God in, which used to lock us out. Come on, you're beginning to understand something. And so I, 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 I have had to learn, I've I got to win in the area of my thinking. I've got to win in the area of my past, I've got to win in the things that I've gone through that I have not understood, you know, because God can have your head, your belief systems. That doesn't mean he has your heart. You know, there was a guy in Bible college, he used to prophesy all the time. It's kind of like I used to look at him and think, boy, I want to be like him. It didn't matter what chapel service he was in, he always brought the word of the Lord. Have you ever met people like that so spiritual? They're always, and I thought, man, I'd like to be like him. In fact, I remember when I was 19 at Bible college, I thought, man, I'd love to have what he's got. He's so close to God. He believes everything so easily. And then I observed how he walked, and he would even walk through the college grounds slowly. Seriously, 19-year-old kid, I said, I'm going to try that. It lasted about five steps. I could never do what he does. You know, today, unfortunately, credible prophecy, credible gift. But after college, nothing really happened. Never heard about him anymore. The years I've seen people start the race with God, and yet they've had incredible gift. I think of another guy who had a photographic memory, could preach the cows into the kingdom out in the paddocks of Bible college. It's like, what happened to him? See, I've discovered if God doesn't get our heart, he can have our head, he can even have our hands, which is our service, but God's got to have our heart. You're hearing me tonight? And, and I know it may sound simple, but I think it's profound. Acts 13 verse 22 in the Message Bible. This is what God says, I have searched the land and found this David, son of Jesse. He is a man whose heart beats to my heart, a man who will do what I tell him. You know, I'd love eternity to sound. I I found this man, Paul. Come on, I, I, I found this Tony. I found this Sue. I've just, I found this me. I found this one now. It's not like, well, this was one of the most gifted or one of the most able. No, I've I've searched the land and I found a heart. Come on, I found a soul that says, God, you can have all of this. You can have the lot. You're not just saving me. You're going to have all that I feel. 
Verse 22, and when he had removed him, he raised or removed Saul, he raised up David as a king to whom also he gave testimony saying, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do my will. You know, once God gets your heart, the will of God becomes easy. It's kind of like God wants to take us to a place where there is a shift in the eternal uh, authority of our lives. And, and just three quick thoughts tonight about our hearts. You know, when God gets your heart, this is what happens. There is a peace. Here's the first one. That constantly permeates. Wouldn't it be cool? Come on. To live a life where, where you are at peace. Come on. You can live a life at peace. It's kind of like, I'm not perfect by a country mile. I make lots of mistakes. But you know what I can say about where I'm at? Is I am at peace. People say, well, what would you do if you knew you were going to die in two years' time? I'd go, I'd just keep doing what I'm doing because God's got my heart, so I'm at peace. You know, the Bible says in Philippians 4 verse 7, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding is going to guard your heart and your mind in Jesus Christ. Can, can I just say, many of us in this room, you know, on the inside world, there's some stuff. That God, he, he saved us, but He needs to get His hand on that stuff so that we can live in this place of being at peace. Because the previous verse to verse 7, again, the Bible says, Be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And I, I just thank God that we can live. You know, we're believing God for more. We're reaching for more. But on the inside, we've just got peace. We should be out in the community. Come on, inside out stuff. It's like, well, what are we going to do if all of this happens in society? Hey, don't worry about the outside stuff. Release the peace that's on the inside. It's like, you know, I'd never bring children into this world. Look how debauched it's becoming. No, no, no. Children are a heritage. Come on, we, we live with a different paradigm of thinking. We've got God at the core and our heart is filled with peace. And I love the fact that I can know I'm in the middle of God's will, that I am not being dominated by the mistakes of my past. No, the mistakes of my life are at Calvary. And if God can forgive me for those, then I've got to forgive everybody that's made a mistake against me. Because Calvary covers it all. Come on, tonight you're here and you go, you know what, I, I just, I want my life to change. Well, it's a great thing to be in church because you're going to be in an environment where there's a call for that. But that won't change you. It's going to be the fact that God is at the core and then you hand over the hurt and the pain so that peace can come and be inside. You know, I, I like to drive fast. Not as fast as Pastor Tony. I got my license, the, the traffic officer that signed my license. I, I was, I'm so old that they didn't give you a plastic card in those days. They gave you a little green book. And the, the officer that took you through the exam put his own signature. And he said to me, he said, young man, you keep driving like that, you'll be a fantastic driver. The day after, I was on my motorbike and I was speeding down the road and a siren went off behind me. And I was pulled over and I, to my horror, it was the same guy. And he didn't quite realize who I was. He said, young man, you were speeding. I said, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't even realize. 
And he said, where's your license? I got my little green book out, gave it to him, and he opened it up. He said, oh, you're the guy I just, I just did yesterday. And I said, I just had no concept of speed. I've spent most of my early years driving, watching over my shoulder for cops. Somebody preached once, and they said, if you kept within the law, you wouldn't have to worry about the cops. It was like the biggest revelation I'd had in church for years. You know, I've had people drive me in churches I've attended. Mick. And, and the way they drive, they're so jerky because he's always looking over his shoulder just in case a cop's going to come. Whereas when you live within the law, you can be at peace. Come on, some of you need to hear it. I love to dive. In fact, I was out with a friend of mine and a few of us were going for a dive and he Loves to die of some crazy places, and I'm in for that. But we were at a reef, and the reef came up to 90 feet. So the top of the reef was 90 feet down, and then it went down to the bottom. So it was a fairly deep dive, but the, the current was very strong. We dropped the pick on the top of the, or the anchor on top of the reef, and the current was, and I'm going, man, she's pretty strong down there. He said, you'll be okay. And I had somebody else's gear. And uh, I said, all right, let's go. So we jumped and held onto the anchor rope and went down. And I was about three quarters of the way down and we let go of the anchor rope and, and I realized the current was very, very strong and the gear that I hadn't tested had a regulator you couldn't adjust. And so if you know anything about diving, the stronger you swim, the more oxygen you use, the deeper you go, the more you need. And I began to panic because what happens is your muscles as they engage, they need more oxygen to keep going. And and then, of course, as you begin to panic, then you begin to tighten and you even need more oxygen. And before you know it, the regulator is making funny noises like, <gasps> and I couldn't get enough oxygen. And my brain began to kick in and say, you're going to die. Seriously, it's like, you're going to die. And it's like, what am I going to do? Because I can't get to the top and I can't breathe and I haven't got enough. And so then you get tighter and you work harder and it gets worse. And then all of a sudden, I had to stop and say, you know what? I am going to die unless I think about how I've been trained. And this is what I remembered. No, when you get into a panic situation, you got to stop. So straight away, I said, i got to get to the bottom real quick. Get a big rock. Put my arms around it in the current. So I went down. I found a rock. I, put my, I closed my eyes and I intentionally, my brain was saying, you're going to die, you're going to die, you're going to die. And I had to tell my brain, no, you're not going to die. You're going to close your eyes and you're going to practice slow breathing. And before I knew it, I didn't need quite the oxygen I was using. Before I knew it, less and less. And then I had that feeling of, I'm coming back. I'm getting back to a place. I think I'm going to make it. <sighs> I'm going to make it. And then we went on our dive. Some of you tonight, listen to me. God needs your heart tonight. Because the stronger you try to win all of that battle in that soul area, the less oxygen you're going to have. You've got to go to the bottom. Just throw your arms around the rock. Because you ain't got the answer. You ain't got the answer to win the battles you're in. You can't change the currents that come your way. But come on, the Bible says there is a peace that permeates. When God gets your heart, it's like, well, the devil says you really stuffed up or they really stuffed up. You go, you know what, it doesn't matter because God will work everything together for good. 
And I'm going to come back to that place that I'm going to allow God have the inside of who I am. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Did you hear that? The peace of God doesn't come and invade us. You've got to make a decision to stop and give God access to that stuff. You know, there's grief. There's death. There's the questions, as I mentioned this morning, of God, why? You've got to let the peace of God come into your heart so that you can gain that oxygen to get up and find your way forward. First thing that happens when God gets your heart, there's a peace that permeates. So I, I have to learn to keep giving God my heart. When I get a whole lot of abusive emails, when people leave the church, when people attack me for a motive that I've never had, I, I've got to get peace. Come on. Because how, how many know it's no good me living or ministering out of reaction? Some of you can walk away from this place at peace with God, at peace with your past, no condemnation, a sense of moving forward in the things of God. The second thing that I've learned about what happens when God gets your heart, not only do you live with peace, but there comes a revelation. There is a revelation that our inner world determines our outer world. Come on, this is a big one. See, again, we live in an upside-down world with a right-side-up God. We live in an outside-in world, but we actually function from an inside-out reality. And what I've realized is that we sometimes preach verses that we know so well, they don't impact us anymore. And, I, and I'm thankful that I, I live by this, that there's a revelation that my inner world determines my outer world. So why do I spend so much time in the outer world rather than dealing with the inner world? Because Proverbs 4 and verse 23, keep your heart with all diligence for out of your heart flow the issues of your life. Did you know that the enemy knows that? Did you know that your problem is not what happened to you? Do you realize it actually wasn't the idiots that did what they did? It wasn't the stuff on the outside of you and you say your whole life, oh, if I just didn't have that happen to me. Did you realize that if you were abused as a little kid, it's not what happens on the outside of you that's important. It's what now happens on the inside of you. Come on, as Christians, we, we need a paradigm shift. It's like people going, yeah, but if I was only born by that or I was only had that or I didn't have to go through that or if that didn't happen to me, no, keep your heart with all diligence because out of your heart flows the boundaries, the borders, the potential of your tomorrow. You're gonna begin to realise that the stronghold of the lie of the enemy is that what happens to us has ultimate authority. Yet the Word of God says it's not what happens to you that has the ultimate authority. It's the God that's within you. Come on, that works from the inside out. Wow. So the more you've gone through, the more God's going to be able to use if he gets it. You know, sometimes you go through the death of a baby or somebody walks out on you in a marriage or you are abused or you do things that you wish you never, ever could have done. i got good news tonight. God's got to get that stuff. Because when God gets your heart, the great news is that your inner world determines your outer world. You know, in Melbourne, we have a church. and I was preaching there most weeks as we started that. And this lady was there and she'd been in leadership in a lot of churches. And she just kept crying every time I preached. Tears running down her face. She came up to me, Pastor. She said, I don't know if I can handle this anymore. Every time you come, I just keep 
crying. And I knew a little bit about her. I said to her, I called her by her name. I said, you know, your whole life, you've tried to prove to God that you're good enough for him. So you keep doing all of this stuff. God doesn't want all your stuff. In fact, that's why we told you. We love you and appreciate your gifts, but you won't be doing any here, anything here for 12 months. You're just going to be sitting here and letting God untangle the soul veil. Come on. Because God works from the inside out, not the outside in. You start getting that. Your tomorrow is filled with so much God stuff. Come on, so much out there. And, and it's, it's such a paradigm shift, but we've got to realize that battlefield is the area of our soul. Here's an amazing verse. You're getting something out of this tonight? You know, Psalm, Psalm, uh, sorry, Proverbs 16 and verse 9. Listen to this verse. You might have heard it before. It says, a man's heart plans his way, but God directs his steps. Stop and look at that for a moment. See, we think God can do anything, but the fact is, it's your heart that determines your way, your pathway, your direction. And on that direction, God determines where your steps will go. That's why it's so profoundly important to make sure our hearts are the place that God accesses. And when you begin to realize your heart determines your tomorrow, then it's kind of like, I don't have to try and change everything externally. I just got to let God access all of the ache and the things that have been damned for so long. And, and the issues that are deep in, like, you know, somebody says something really nasty to somebody, and then they say, hey, I didn't really mean that. No, 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 you did mean that. No, no, I didn't really mean that. No, no, you did mean that, because the Bible says, out, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the issue is in your heart. You've got to deal with some of that stuff, because you, you've got things going on on the inside of you that you've got to deal with, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Come on, I, I know Christians or even leaders that are always judging things. I go, you know what? There's a sour heart here. In fact, judgment comes out of a pride-filled base. You begin to say, well, they should be doing that. Well, that's just because you think you're better. Whereas when a heart is saturated with God, it's like, man, I've got enough stuff to work on with me. I, I really don't have too many opinions about anything else. Come on, I'll teach you what I believe the Bible says, but don't, don't attach that to another situation. Leave that. God will deal. I've got enough to deal with with me. I want to make sure my heart, come on, is free from residual unforgiveness. I want to make sure my heart has let go of yesterday in the past. I want my heart because my heart is establishing my, my, my tomorrow. Can you pray I'll have a good future? No, I need to pray that God can get your heart. Come on. <laughs> Lewis Meads, I know this is a deep thing, but I hope it helps. Lewis Meads says this, to, to forgive, listen, is to set the prisoner free and then to recognize or discover that that prisoner was you. <laughs> that's what happens. So you want to talk to me about all the stuff that's gone wrong in your life? Come with me. I'll, I'll, I'll spend a week or two telling you about all the stuff that people have hurt me with. People say, how do pastors get holy? Friendly fire. Take my shirt off, you see all the bullet holes in the back. But hurt people hurt people. So why am I going to allow their hurt to then become part of my heart and then I set limits on my future? No, I realize my heart determines what my tomorrow will look like. And so therefore I've got a revelation. My inner world creates my outer world. So I'm not going to stay there. 
Have you heard of uh, Nelson Mandela? You know, champion. Can you imagine being imprisoned? And I've been in a cell in Cape Town or on Robben Island 27 years. Locked up because he believed for something. When they said to him, Mr. Mandela, how come you weren't resentful for losing most of your life within prison? You know what he said? He said, resentment is like a glass of poison that a man drinks. Then he waits for his enemy to die. He said, if you live with resentment, you kill yourself. I don't live with that. I live with, and see what was used through that life, not living that way, to change a whole nation of apartheid. Come on, I'm just saying to you tonight, God wants your heart. God gets your heart, you're going to live with peace. God gets your heart, doesn't matter what's happened to you or what will yet happen out of your heart determines the borders and the boundaries of your future. And thirdly, you know, the third thing is that I've come to understand that my heart is an understanding that my heart follows my investment. So how do I direct my heart? I realize my heart follows where I put treasure, where your treasure is. Come on. There your heart will be. So if you're here and you've got a struggling marriage tonight, well, we just don't love any, each other anymore and you know, I, I really, she's no longer, she's not my soulmate. I, I, you know, it's amazing how people find somebody new and there's my real soulmate. It's amazing when you fall in love in those early years, you drive across the city any hour of the night. Come on, you spend your whole pay on flowers. You do whatever you need to do. Come on, because you give to that. Whatever you invest, your heart follows. Got to hear this. Because if your heart wanders, it's because you're lacking investment. That's why the enemy doesn't want you to invest into the house of God. Because it's God's plan to see his kingdom come on earth. That's why he says, oh, you can't afford that. Don't you put your tithe in there and your offerings. Don't do that. That's all something that's of the old. No, 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 no. If you want your heart to be connected, put your investment there. Come on, we need to be people that start investing into our relationships. The things that we believe in, we've got to start. Yeah, but I don't feel like it. You don't need to worry about whether you feel like it. If you invest, your heart will follow. Come on, and that's the, the reality of how things work in life. And I love the fact that when you begin to understanding, understand that, that my heart follows my investment, it's kind of like, I'm so thankful. We, we take an annual major offering, and I got this little email from, from one of our six-year-old girls. She just sent it to me. She said, uh, Annie Six, dear Pastor Paul, my heart is all God's. I give what needs to be given. My soul is God's, and I live, I, she says, I live him. She meant, I love him with all my heart. Jealousness is not the answer, but love is what we need to give. God has given us this world and we owe Him lots. But not all people can give in the offering, like the third world people. People, adults, kids are living on scraps. But today is where we give. I give this letter from my heart and a little bit from my heart so everyone can change the world. P.S. It's not the money that's important, but what is important is coming from our hearts. Read this out to the church, please. Come on, I'm going to get Kathy and Elise and the team to join me. But I love that. I'm not just going to read that out to the church. I'm going to read that out to the world. Come on, here's a six-year-old girl going, you know what? It's all about our heart. It's all about the fact that God wants all of our heart. He wants, 
the, the stuff that we don't understand. He, he wants the stuff that kind of has captured us and we're too scared to expose. You begin to give that, God begins to do it. You say, how do I deal with my heart? Recognize your heart is deceitful. Come on, it's lying to you. It's telling you that if you really open it up, you'll get hurt again. Saying if you really open it up, somebody's going to condemn you. No, 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 no. I love when Jesus met the woman caught in adultery. I don't condemn you. Come on, let, let's deal with this and go and sin no more. I, I love the fact that God wants us to understand our hearts are deceitful. I think the second thing that I've learned to do is that you've got to commit to full exposure. Come on, let God have it all. God can handle how dark, ugly, hurt it is. Disappointed. Some people get really disappointed at God for things that he shouldn't get the blame for. But if you fully expose that heart, because the truth is, all of us are going to live out who we really are. And tonight, I just feel like God wants to do something. And it's going to be kind of like a transaction where we get an opportunity to go, you know what? I'm honestly tired of not living in peace. And I want to be in peace. You know, I, I'm tired of believing the lie that what's happened to me or what I've gone through is what defines me. No, I'm going to begin to realize that if God gets my heart, my future has a huge tomorrow. Because I want to tell you, there are so many things that shape us, but God always takes inside out not outside in and that's why he's at the core because he's the answer and today if you'd put a step in the right direction if you put an investment into a shift your heart will follow I think too often in the Pentecostal church we, we, we so preach a now transformation I love it when God does it immediately but we don't learn a lot from that I love it when God takes us on a journey come on and some of us in the next 12 months can live a, such a different life because our heart has been uncaged. God the Father ripped the first veil. We're going to make a decision. Every tentacle the enemy's using, no longer. I'm going to put my hands on it tonight. And I say, devil, you are not going to keep that soul veil keeping God from my real world. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.